Hey there, it's Olivia Allen Price, host of Bay Curious, the podcast. KQED Podcasts wants to thank listeners like you whose support makes this podcast possible. If you want to help us continue to make great content, visit donate.kqed.org slash podcasts. That's donate.kqed.org slash podcasts. And thanks. From KQED. Shh, turn off the lights. Quick, quick, quick. Get down. Ow, you're on my leg. Oh, sorry. Shh, they're going to hear you. Oh, here they come. Here they come. Quiet. Surprise! Welcome to the Bay Curious Anniversary Show. We're celebrating one year done and dusted. That's dozens and dozens and dozens of your questions answered. And we thought, what better way to celebrate than answering a bunch more? I'm Olivia Allen Price. And I'm Jessica Placek. Today, we'll learn how San Francisco's Tenderloin got its name and the truth behind a Star Wars legend. Plus, the story of the Rainbow Tunnel in Marin and the man behind the voice of Popeye. Grab a piece of cake and stick around. Support for Bay Curious comes from Sierra Nevada Brewing Company. Committed to brewing things the right way since 1980, because when you're a family-run brewery, there's no other way to do it. Sierra Nevada Brewing Company. Still family-owned, operated, and argued over. And be sure to stay tuned through the end of the show so you can play our monthly trivia game for a chance to win some cool prizes. Hey there, this is Brittany Luce from NPR's It's Been a Minute. KQED's podcasts like The Bay, Bay Curious, Mind Shift, Right Nowish, and more all tell the stories of the Bay and beyond with reliable human-centered journalism. They aim to inspire, make you think, entertain, and expand your understanding of the place you call home. Here's how you can support podcasting at KQED. Showing your support is easy, and you can join Brittany in supporting KQED Podcast too at donate.kqed.org slash podcast. That's donate.kqed.org slash podcast. Okay, Jessica, I have an idea. What's that? So each week on the Bay Curious Podcast, we answer a question from one of our listeners, right? Yes, this is true. So usually the way it works is we call the listener before we really do any reporting. And then we work on the story for a few weeks. Sometimes they join us for an interview. But it's usually a while before we can get back to them with the answer. Yep, that's my experience. Okay, so how about today... We just call people and bam, right there on the phone, give them an answer. Like a crank call, but delightfully informative? Into it. It can be our very first... Bay Curious Lightning Round! Are you ready? I'm ready. Let's go. Round one. George Lucas's imagination. Hello? Um, can you just start off by introducing yourself? My name is Mateen McCullough, and I'm born and raised in Napa, California. Great. Amazing. Okay, and what was your question that you had for us? My entire adult life, I've been under the impression that George Lucas was inspired to create the AT-AT. That's the four-legged machine that walked in the snow and shot at the rebels and Empire Strikes Back. I was under the impression that he was inspired to create that machine because of a drive he took through the 
port of Oakland and observing the, the white cranes that are used to load and unload the ships and so on and so forth. Uh, and I want to know if that's the truth. Okay, are you ready for the answer? Okay, don't break my heart. Go ahead. Uh, I tried to get an interview with George Lucas. That didn't work. But George Lucas did sit down with Peter Hartlob over at the San Francisco Chronicle, where he told him very politely but very firmly that it is absolutely and totally a myth. No! No! This is terrible! I'm sorry. I'm sorry. You know what's devastating about this? What? Whenever I come home to Napa, I take this uh, shuttle. And if there's ever a tourist, because it's really beautiful going over the Bay Bridge, they look at Alcatraz and look at the Golden Gate Bridge, everything. And I go, yeah, but check out the East Bay. There's Berkeley. There's home of the free speech movement. And if you like Star Wars, and everyone believes me, of course, like, because, uh, and here all this time, I've, I've just been spreading. And like the people. Spreading mendacities. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry that I'm sorry that you've been lying. That sucks. Round two. The Rainbow Connection. Hey, is this Olivia? Yes, hi, this is Olivia. How are you, Jessica? Excited to be on this podcast. Yeah, (laughs) yeah. So why don't you tell us who you are? So my name is Jessica Shim, and I live in New York City. And do you remember the question that you asked Bay Curious? I'm going to pull it up. Okay. Um, (laughs) Who painted the Rainbow Tunnel, and why did it get rainbows painted on it? So I actually have the answer for you today. (laughs) (laughs) That's amazing. Surprise! (laughs) Okay, here we go. The story starts with a guy in a car driving through some rather drab-looking concrete tunnels just north of the Golden Gate Bridge on Highway 101. My dad um, commuted there every single day, and so he went through the tunnels. He said, wouldn't it be great? You know, he was a bit of a thinker, and he thought, you know, got a nice little, like, you know, welcome home kind of thing. This is Robert Halligan Jr., and his dad, Robert Halligan Sr., was not your average commuter. He happened to be the public affairs officer with the California Department of Transportation. And he had a flair for the creative. At the time, they were opening up a lot of uh, freeways and things like that around the Bay Area. Now, he would do creative things like he had um, you know, a Silicon Valley robot come in and clip the ribbon. And, and another one, he had um, Hap Harper, I think his name was. He was a, a newsman in the area that did uh, the, the drive time you know, uh, reporting from the air. I mean, he had his plane fly through the ribbon one time, and he just had a creative way to kind of, you know, to do things. Halligan Sr. believed that since people were spending a lot of time on the roads, they should be beautiful. So when he proposed painting rainbows at the entrance to the tunnels in Marin, his colleagues said, why not? Do you know why, why rainbows? Because of the, the arches are, you know, they're half, half circles, half arches in the tunnel, and it was just naturally conducive to that. When the rainbows first went up, most residents loved them. But a few hated the new paint job. The two sides battled it out on the letters to the editor page of the Daily Newspaper. This is a disfiguration of the landscape and an insult to the quiet beauty of this entire county. The pastels of cartoon land should be confined to the Sunday funnies. Signed, Dr. and Mrs. Alan J. Davidson of Mill Valley, November 3rd, 1970. Did a muse en route to an appointment with Andy Warhol veer off course and land in the division of highways? 
Let us be grateful for an inspired treatment of dull gray concrete. Signed, Lewis W. Stewart of San Anselmo, November 10, 1970. Ultimately, Robert Halligan Sr. considered the Rainbow Tunnels to be one of the best things he accomplished during his career. When he died in 1999, the San Francisco Chronicle even mentioned them in his obituary. His son says he was a fun dad and a simple man. But a simple man that, that also was in a position that had things that had a legacy that, that, that lasts far beyond him, which is amazing. Yeah. Few of us get a chance to do that. Wow. Oh, my God. That's such a better story than I could have even imagined. That's oh, good. so cool. <laughs> Please, to know that somebody was inspired to beautify the environment, that, that's inspiring to me. Round three. A nice cut of meat. I am Kevin Beach. So I used to live in Midsoma and was always walking through the Tenderloin and just realized that it's a bit of an odd name for a neighborhood. And I know the neighborhood itself has a lot of different sides to it. So I was just curious what's behind the name of of the neighborhood. How did the Tenderloin get its name? Let's find out. In the mid-1800s, the Tenderloin was a great spot to spend a night out on the town. There were luxury hotels, fancy theaters, and nice restaurants. But by the late 1800s, crime had crept in. We're talking brothels and gangs. This is when people began calling it the Tenderloin. So there's a couple theories as to why it's called the Tenderloin. One is that it refers to the Tenderloins of prostitutes who did business there. Another theory is that it's just the shape of the neighborhood on a map. But when I called the Tenderloin Museum, they said that it came by way of New York City. In the 1870s, there was this New York City police captain, Alexander Williams, and he gave vice-heavy areas the nickname Tenderloin. It was a reference to all the bribes he would get for turning a blind eye to things like brothels. Williams was quoted as saying, I've had nothing but chuck steak for a long time, and now I'm going to get a little of the tenderloin. So pretty much with all this bribe money, he was hoping to buy nicer meat. The Tenderloin Museum said there were once tenderloin districts across the country. But that San Francisco's tenderloin is one of the last. Oh, that's fascinating. Huh. Yeah. So that's, that's kind of the, at least the official word from the museum. Yeah, that's, that's a, what the museum says. So I'm going to stick with that as the right answer. As reputable as it gets. Okay. Yeah. Well, thank you, Jessica, for, for doing the research on that. Round four, our final round. Popeye the Sailor Man. Toot toot. This question comes from Peter Caravallo. He's actually a question asker we've heard from before in the Who Who episode. Google it. You'll learn about a lumber fraternity. Okay, now time for a new question. Uh, I didn't realize that you were the one that asked this question, but I started reporting it, and then I looked at the name, and I was like, oh, I know him. (laughs) 
I actually had forgotten about that question because uh, you took up the hoo-hoo house one, so completely forgot I sent that other one out. <laughs> Wait, so what made you ask this one? It's one of those things that I think I just heard or read somewhere, some random fact about, uh, you know, like the voice of Popeye passing away on a trailer park in San Jose. I thought it was fairly random. Um, just one of those things that kind of tucked away in my mind and forgot about. Uh, I can tell you what, what I've found so far. Oh, really? Yeah. The man we're talking about is William Costello. He had a gruff voice, and he'd been an actor on the Betty Boop radio show before he was cast as Popeye when the cartoon was brought to television. I am what I am on account of I eat me spinach. (laughs) From the start, it was very clear that the show was going to be a huge hit. But the studio wasn't sure about Costello. They felt they wanted a slightly softer character, someone not so gruff. At the same time, Costello was becoming difficult to work with. Some say fame went to his head really fast. And when he asked for a vacation in the middle of production, he was fired. After that, Costello had a long career as a musician. He worked with Ginger Rogers and Bing Crosby, and his obituary states that he played in over 100 orchestras, which to me seems like a lot, and maybe like he wasn't great to work with continually, but um, but I don't know. I don't know that. Anyway, in the late 50s, he retired to manage a trailer park in San Jose. Oh, that's how he ended up there. Yeah, yeah. So he was managing that trailer park when he died in 1971 at the age of 73. But I couldn't figure out which one exactly it was. I found a forum that says it was Hilton Mobile Park in San Jose. But when I called the manager of that one, she laughed at me a lot. (laughs) Didn't believe you at all. No, she did not believe me at all. She's like, that is the craziest thing I've heard. You've made my day. So she definitely couldn't confirm that rumor. But yeah, that's what I have so far. Absolutely. Well, that's amazing what you found already. I had no idea. Yeah. Yeah. I remember watching those when I was a kid and he never really talked above a mutter. I feel like I've only ever saw the later versions of Popeye. Mm. My dad really loved to show me Popeye in the hopes that I would eat more spinach. You know? Oh, <laughs> nice. Yeah. All right, cool. So that's it for our very first Bay Curious Lightning Round. I think we made some people's days today, Jessica. Uh, except for all the people who've been unknowingly spreading mendacities about Star Wars. Oh, yeah, there is that. Not every story has the ending you might want. Thanks to our four question askers, Mateen McCullough, Jessica Shim, Kevin Beach, and Peter Caravallo. And today we want to give one big thank you to you, our listeners. This show would not be possible without your support. Whether you've asked a question, shared our show with a friend, left us a review, or been an active listener enjoying the podcast, you've made putting this crazy thing together every week worth every second. Now, as we look ahead to next year, we've got even more coming your way. Soon, we'll be starting a monthly Bay Curious email newsletter. You can go ahead and sign up for it at baycurious.org. The newsletter will have answers to questions not featured on the show, details about upcoming live events, and even behind-the-scenes tidbits from our reporting adventures. I think it's going to be really cool. Me too! A newsletter you'll actually want to open and read. Sign up at baycurious.org. 
And one last thing. I'll be at San Jose's Downtown Farmer's Market on Friday, November 17th from 10 a.m. to 2 p.m. Come by, say hi, learn more about Bay Curious, and ask a question. I would really love to meet you. I'm Olivia Allen Price. And I'm Jessica Placek. Oh, grab a piece of cake. <laughs> grab a piece of cake and stick around. More more enthusiasm? I don't know how to do it more enthusiastically. Stick around. Sit down and eat your friggin' cake. <laughs> Hi, Bay Curious listeners. Are you ready to play May's trivia game? Every month, we read a question here at the end of our episode. You can give us your answers over at our website, kqed.org slash baycurious, or just click the link in the episode description. Out of the correct answers, we'll randomly choose one lucky winner to receive a cool prize package with Bay Curious swag and Sierra Nevada goodies. Okay, our question for the month is, the world's longest-running pillow-fighting contest was held from 1966 to 2006 in what Bay Area town? Our trivia quiz is made possible by Sierra Nevada Brewing Company. Good luck! Hey, it's Avery Truffleman, host of Articles of Interest, and I've got to say, I've been a fan of KQED ever since I was a little kid, and I would come out to San Francisco to visit my grandma. It was just what we'd always turn on every time we got in the car, every time we were making dinner and turning on the radio, it was always KQED. And then over the years, I've become a massive fan of KQED podcasts because this is local reporting at its best. These are answers to questions you've always wanted to know, interviews with exciting, unusual voices, necessary journalism, all told with love and care and artistry. And did you know that a majority of KQED's funding actually comes from members? It's just people like you and me supporting the programs they love while also getting access to cool events, behind-the-scenes footage, and so much more. If you want to sign up and be a part of this amazing community, visit donate.kqed.org slash podcasts to become a member today. That's podcasts with an S. Thank you for listening, and thank you for your support.